Hey, it's great to see you all here this morning. We're in a series right now called Love Gives, and it's leading us up to Christmas, the whole idea of uh, God being such a great God. And at a time of year where we're giving presents to one another and showing our love by giving, we remember that God's really kind of set the bar um, way high in that he gave the greatest gift in his son, Jesus. But I don't know about you, but I wonder if Christmas, a time where we should be celebrating the birth of Jesus and looking forward to exchanging gifts with loved ones. But the reality is, and maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, Dave, I, I look around, I see all these signs that say love, joy, peace, hope. But the truth is, I think that Christmas is terrifying. I am like full of fear whenever I think of Christmas. I mean, think about it. All those things that can be very fearful at Christmas time. Maybe you're not like me, but this is one of my fears. What if I get the wrong gift? What if I misread the hints that she was giving me? What if I didn't pick up on those little subtle hints and I end up, whoops, um, I end up giving the wrong gift? And I think this is exactly what my wife will want. And I give her a drill. <laughs> And it turns out that's not what she wanted. That's what I wanted. That can be a fear for some people, giving the wrong gift. How about this? Maybe you work somewhere and you're convinced that you've given out the right cards to the right friends at work and the right gifts. And then suddenly on that last day before the office is closing for Christmas, that colleague comes and gives you a gift. And you're like, I didn't get you one. And that fear of like, what if someone gets me a card or a gift and I didn't get them one? Well, here's, here's a stapler. I got for you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It looks a lot like mine, but I want you to have it. That could be a fear, couldn't it? Maybe your fear is this, walking into Kroger's or Walmart and catching the eye of the bell ringer because <laughs> you've got no change on you and you really want a gift, but you don't have the money and you're like, well, I just... And he sees your eye and he wishes you Merry Christmas and you're like, I, I do want a gift, but... I've got nothing. I left Walmart yesterday, and a friend of mine who's a pastor here in town was the bell ringer outside Walmart, and uh, he had his trumpet with him. He was playing Christmas carols on the trumpet. So as I walked out, I had no change on me. I kind of smiled and nodded and carried on walking, and he stopped playing. He goes, Dave J! <laughs> and I was like, yes, shaming me across the parking lot. He might as well said, you cheapskate. You don't love people. What if, uh, what if this is your fear? The idea of getting together with family and, and grandpa is going to come and he's going to start to share, you know, who you should have voted for. You're like, grandpa, the election's over. Well, let me tell you again. <laughs> and maybe just that fear of getting around the dinner table and the subject of politics coming up. Or maybe your fear this Christmas, maybe for some of our younger ones in the audience, maybe your fear is you're going to get to that Christmas gathering and that great aunt or that grandmother you haven't seen for a long time is there and she wants a kiss. And you're like, I don't want to kiss her. She's got a mustache. Maybe that's your fear coming into Christmas. Now, I know we're kind of having some fun here at some, some silly fears that maybe fill us during the Christmas season. But the truth is, the joking aside, for some people, as we get closer to Christmas, there are some legitimate fears approaching. There is some anxiety that's coming. For some, it could even be just the idea of knowing that this year, financially, we're not in a place to be able to do Christmas like we've done in years gone by. And I've got this anxiety, this fear that's starting to grow in me because I'm either going to have to overspend or deal with a situation where maybe family members just feel disappointed. And that's kind of gripping me. That's like a bit of a fear or an anxiety. Can I afford Christmas? 
Maybe it's a, um, a fear that just being with some of those family members that you haven't seen since last year is going to bring back some of those memories, bring back some of those issues. It's a legitimate fear. You know, you've coped with it all year long, but you know that on Christmas Day, you're going to see that person on Christmas Eve, sometime on Christmas, you're going to see that. And when you see that person, all of those feelings are going to come back again. Maybe for some, it's just the Christmas season alone. Just the concept of all those happy families exchanging gifts, and it takes you back to your family that you grew up in, and some of that pain and that hurt that you associate with family, and it's kind of magnified during the Christmas season. Maybe the fear is just the realization that this will be the first Christmas without a loved one who maybe passed away this year. And as Christmas gets nearer, that pain, that fear, that anxiety, it starts to grow. We start to feel it kind of gripping us inside. It's almost like those Christmas cards and carols and decorations. They're just making it worse with their promises of joy and hope and peace. Because you're in a situation where you're feeling less and less peace with every day the Advent calendar is opened. And every day you get closer to Christmas. In fact, maybe there's some of you who, um, your advent calendar, when you open the doors, there's a chocolate behind it, and you're thinking, man, I wonder if there's one of these calendars where if you open the door, there's one of those little bottles that you get in the fridges at hotels. <laughs> I need that advent calendar. And we chuckle, but you know, some people are like, no, that, that's a, there are ways I have to cope with these fears and these anxieties. And here's what I believe this morning. Here's why we're talking about this series, Love Gives. Because I honestly believe that love, God, wants to give you peace this Christmas. I think that love gives peace. And I think God knows that for many of us, we need that peace. Maybe more so this Christmas time than ever before. There are things going on in our lives right now, and we need love to give us peace. And I want you to know this morning that God who is love, he wants you to experience peace. He wants you to experience a peace that can only be found in him. A peace and an assurance and uh, an escape from fear that can only be found in God himself. In fact, God wants to show you that those fears, those anxieties that you struggle with from time to time, he wants to give you victory over them. He's aware of fear. In fact, he's been aware of that since the very first Christmas. Because that was the time when love gave the greatest gift of all. That was when God sent his son Jesus into the world. And along with that wonderful message of this Messiah, also came a message from the angels to not be afraid, to not fear. In fact, we're going to look at the story this morning of the shepherds. And one of the very first things that, God, that the angel said to the shepherds when he, when he appeared to them was not to be afraid. Let's read it together here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It said, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. 
And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him, a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You know, we watched that video there just before the sermon and uh, uh, kind of chuckled a bit there. But I wonder if you've ever really thought about what it must have been like for the shepherds that night when that angel appeared. You see, if you think about it, these shepherds, okay, these aren't, you know, kind of, kind of wussy, scare easily kind of people. Their job was to spend the night out in the wilderness guarding these sheep from, from attack from other animals, from predators. So these shepherds, they wouldn't easily be spooked. They would sit there and very often they would hear a twig snap. They would be very used to knowing what was an animal and what was a large animal or a small animal, what was just the wind and what was a real threat. And they would know if there was a threat nearby, a wild animal, they'd be on edge and they'd be ready to go to scare off that animal with a stick they may carry or a sling or whatever it may be. So these shepherds, they're pretty tough guys. And yet we read here that when the angel appeared, they were terrified. And here's why I think that was. So you imagine the scene. They're probably just sat there. They're watching the sheep. You know, it's a night just like any other night. These are just average shepherds watching an average flock of sheep. They're probably talking about the news of the day, maybe what happened on last night's Bachelor. I don't know. They were just kind of chatting. And and unexpectedly, out of nowhere, an angel appears. Do you know, as I was studying for this passage this morning, I found out that the Greek word, where we we, we read the Bible in English now, but it was translated from Greek. and, And in the Greek language, that word appeared, it literally means to stand at or near a specific place. So when it said appeared, it means that the angel, boom, appeared. He was standing at a specific place right there. So when we read that verse, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. So this wasn't a Tinkerbell kind of experience. Maybe you've kind of pictured the angel appearing, and it was like a scene out of Peter Pan where they were sitting there, and they're like, what's that? Is that like a shooting star? Or is it this little light, and it's, it's floating around, it's growing, it's growing. Do you know what? I think that might be an angel. Yeah, you know what? It's getting closer. It's getting bigger. It's an angel. <laughs> That's not what happened. Where it says suddenly the angel appeared, it literally means that they were sat there, and in an instant stood right next to them was an angel shining with the brightness of God. Bam! There's a video I saw this week on Facebook, and maybe some of you saw it. It was um, um, of a, just a montage of pranks that people have videoed each other, playing on one another, involving firecrackers. Every single prank involved some kind of firecracker, and it would be somebody lighting them and hiding them behind a friend who had his back turned, and then stepping back and videoing when they went off. Another guy was sleeping in a hammock, and they put it under the hammock, and he just jumps up, and another guy, they managed to get it into his pocket, so suddenly they all start going off in his pocket, and it's just, I'm I'm sorry to say this, but it's hilarious just watching these people react to this sudden explosion going off in or around them, and that kind of fear that you see on these people's faces on that video, that's the kind of fear the shepherds had in that moment, because it was a sudden, whoa, what is that? And on top of all of that, this is an angel. They weren't used to seeing angels. A real-life angel right there in front of them. So immediately the angel says, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
So I feel like when the angel was talking to the shepherd, he was almost saying two things here. He's saying, hey, hey, it's easy, easy. Don't be afraid. I know I just crept up on you. I know I appeared out of nowhere. I know that's enough to make anyone jump. But don't be afraid. But also, don't be afraid because I'm actually bringing you good news. I'm not an angel that's going to come and talk about doom or gloom or the world ending. No, no, no. You needn't be afraid because I'm about to tell you something amazing. I'm about to tell you some great, great news that will not only help with the fear you may be feeling right now, but actually what I'm going to tell you is going to change the way you view fear for the rest of your lives. I'm about to tell you about somebody who is going to help you and your ancestors and your ancestors' ancestors and thousands of people for years to come some good news about when it comes to fear. Immediately afterwards, in verse 13, we read that the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. And almost to, to, to hammer home this idea of not to be afraid, they say, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Don't be afraid. God's sending peace on earth. God is sending his son, and his son wants to take away your fear, and he wants to fill you with his peace. And as true as that message was, 2,000 years ago to those shepherds on that hillside, if the angel could be here this morning, he would say the same to you, do not be afraid this Christmas time. Do not let anxiety rise up inside of you. God is bringing peace Love gives peace, and peace comes in the form of a relationship with Jesus. This Messiah that the angel was telling them about was to bring peace on earth. And here's why it's so important that we understand that God wants to give us peace, because fear can be a problem. Fear in our lives, if left undealt with, it can be a problem. There's a couple of reasons where fear can can particularly be a problem. Number one is that fear cripples. If you're not careful, if you allow fear to enter your life, if you allow fear to kind of come in and, and take root and set up camp in your life, then what will happen is that fear will cripple. Fear cripples you. Case and I lead a small group, and this is actually the topic of our conversation last Sunday night. It was a great discussion. We had three or four other couples there, and we were talking through this whole idea of fear. And the more we talked, the more we had examples and ideas of how different situations in our lives can cause fear to cripple you, can cripple us in situations. It was funny because all the couples in the room had kids, and every one of us got to the point of saying that, you know, fear kind of comes in a new wave when you have children, It's true, isn't it, if you're a parent here in the room this morning? I can remember 16 years ago leaving Peking Hospital with this brand new baby boy, Ben, and pulling out of the parking lot and thinking, what is going on here? I can just leave with him? I can take this baby home? Are you sure? (laughs) Because I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And I'm driving home now thinking, I've got a human being in my car. And I just don't know what, and I'm terrified. And maybe if you're a parent here this morning, you can remember when that very first child was born and those nights where we had Ben sleeping in a bassinet in our room for those first few months. And I can remember just waking up all through the night. I would hear a sniffle or a cough. And I'm like, what's that? Is he okay? Is he going to be all right? You know what? I'd jump out of bed. I'd go and check on him. There were some nights I woke up because he didn't make a sound. 
Why is he so quiet? What's, is he okay? Is he breathing? You know, I'm running over there, and you're, you're terrified as a new parent of what could go wrong. Now, if you haven't started a family yet, or you're, uh, you're still a very young age, don't worry. It, it, things get better as time goes on. Now, 16 years later, I've got three children. There are some nights, some mornings I'll wake up, and one of my kids is in bed with me, and I'm like, where did you come from? How did you get here? Emma will say, I came in during the night, Dad. Don't you remember? I told you I had a bad dream, and I asked if I could sleep in your bed, and you said, that's fine. And then I climbed over the top of you, and I climbed under the covers, and I'm like, I don't remember any of that. (laughs) Slept right through it. So it's amazing how as time goes on, fear changes. But as parents, fear can become a very real thing. Fear can cripple you. I've talked to, to some families, I've talked to some parents who are afraid to travel. They're afraid to travel as a couple without their kids because what if something happens and we left our kids behind? And this fear cripples them in the sense of their, their travel plans are affected because of what may happen. I've talked to parents who are fear of, fearful or afraid of their kids getting sick or hurt or worse, and that fear, it grips them constantly. It cripples them. And you don't have to be a parent here this morning to understand what it means to have fear crippling you. It can happen in all walks of life, as a student, as a single person, in a career, in a marriage. If you'll allow it, fear will cripple you. Whether it's fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of criticism, fear of being imperfect, fear of change, fear of taking risks. Even some people have a fear of of success. What if I get too successful? Fear can manifest itself in our lives in so many different ways, can't it? And if we're not careful, if we leave it unchecked, it will cripple us. It will affect the way we live our lives. This is why so often you hear Jesus and Paul and a lot of the New Testament writers, and even in the Old Testament, you hear time and time again phrases like, do not fear, do not be afraid, do not be anxious. You hear this said so many, so many times because God wants us to understand that we're not to be afraid because fear can cripple us. There was a pastor by the name of Robert Shuler, and he said, if you listen to your fears, you will die never knowing what a great person you might have been. If you listen to your fears, you could die never knowing what a great person you might have been. Because if we're not careful, fear can cripple us. It can stop us in our tracks. It can stop us from moving forward into the wonderful purpose, the wonderful destiny, the wonderful person that God wants us to be. God doesn't want us to experience fear like that. God doesn't want us to experience anxiety like that because it can cripple in areas of our life. You know, here's another way that fear can be problematic in our lives. As well as it crippling, fear can conflict Fear conflicts. Here's what I mean when I say fear conflicts. Um, If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, the entire relationship that you have with God is built on faith. It's built on faith. You, You chose to trust God. Solomon, one of the wisest people that ever lived, he said in Proverbs, he said in Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Solomon's saying the key here to life is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't try and figure things out. Trust completely. Have faith in God. 
If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, there was a point when you stood before God and you said, God, I trust that you are who you said you are. I believe, I've got the faith to believe that you really did send Jesus, that we remember at Christmas time, you sent him to earth on my behalf. You love me so much that you sent Jesus to die in my place. I'm actually going to take what, what some people call a step of faith. I'm going to choose to live my life for you, to repent, to say sorry for the wrong things I've done, to turn my life around and to put my faith in you. That's the core. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the core of who you are this morning. Everything about you as a follower of Jesus is built on faith. But here's where fear conflicts, because if, if faith is on this side, then fear is on this side. It's almost the opposite of faith. Fear is, is kind of like the opposite of faith. So we have this tension in our life where, where we want to have faith, and we want to trust God in every area of our lives, but we feel the pull of fear pulling us against our faith. And we're stuck in that tension all the time between faith and fear. And fear can conflict. It can cause that conflict in our lives. And it can be a struggle for us because as followers of Jesus, we recognize that and we say, God, I don't want to be caught up in fear. I don't want to be crippled by this fear, but it feels so real and, and it's, it's a genuine concern I've got. But I recognize that it's difficult because it's causing me to doubt you. I know that your word says to trust with you, with all of my heart, and I feel like as I trust you, I'm being pulled away from that because of this fear that I have. You know, it can also conflict in other ways. It can conflict in the ways that Jesus has challenged us to live as his followers. Do you know, the more you read the New Testament, the more you read about um, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about the life of Jesus and what he taught you start to read some pretty challenging things of how Jesus said we should live our lives as followers of Jesus. There were some pretty challenging statements that Jesus made. He talks, doesn't he, about loving our enemy. That's a tough one. He talks about forgiving those who have hurt us. That's difficult. He talks about turning the other cheek. If somebody strikes you, then you should turn the other cheek. Instead of retaliate, strike back. As, as a follower of Jesus, you should be willing to turn the other cheek. Now, we know that's what Jesus has taught us to do, but I wonder if sometimes fear causes us to think, well, I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm afraid of what might happen if I forgive that person. I'm afraid of what might happen if I turn the other cheek. I, I, I'm not sure that I can do that. And again, fear conflicts because we know deep in our hearts how we should be living, how we should be following Jesus, how he's challenged us to live our lives. But then we have fear here kind of pulling us away from that. You know, if we weren't careful, I think fear would stop us from doing many things in our lives as followers of Jesus. I'm always amazed and inspired and impressed by Mother Teresa. You know her story well. She was just this wonderful lady who loved God with all of her heart and, and her faith drove her to do some things that just are incredibly inspiring. She lived amongst the poorest and, and the sickest in the world. People dying in Calcutta, India of leprosy. And her faith drove her to want to help these people. Her faith inspired her to want to be with these people and give them, give them some dignity in their dying days. But I have to wonder if there was a time when fear would make her think, but what if I get sick? What if I miss out on, on something else, a better life? What, you know, there had to be some fear in her, but she chose to set the fear aside and by faith 
faith in Jesus, respond to these people. I don't want fear to stop me from being the person that God's called me to be. I don't want fear to get in the way of my faith and move me, motivate me to to who God wants me to be. So knowing that fear cripples, knowing that fear conflicts, I think probably the, the question that every one of us has here this morning is, but how do we combat fear? I get it. I understand that. Yes, it's true. This Christmas especially, fear and anxiety has, has risen up like not before. And I, the, the hard thing for me is I know that after Christmas, it's not going to go. This is going to carry on as the new year. This is a legitimate issue in my life right now. So how do I combat the fear that I find in my life? As followers of Jesus this morning, I believe there is a way. And in fact, you may be here this morning and you've not yet made that step of faith to follow Jesus. I actually feel like this truth applies for you too. That you can, you can respond the way we're going to hear about here in just a second and you can experience the love of God in your life as it wipes out the fear. Because that love is where we find the answer. It's God himself, love, who gives us the peace. It's actually in his love, in love of God, that we find peace. And here's how. The guy who tells us how this all fits together, his name was John. Now you'll remember John was one of the disciples. And and at times you would hear that of the 12 disciples, there were three in particular that Jesus spent just a little bit more time with, a little bit more intimate moments with. And that was Peter, James, and John. And then sometimes you'll hear that of those three, there was one in particular that Jesus really connected with, and that was John. John lived with Jesus. John saw Jesus at work. John understood what it was for love to exist through Jesus. And John was one of the closest people to Jesus. And John himself writes a letter in 1 John And in chapter 4, verse 9, he talks about that love that he'd experienced firsthand in his relationship with Jesus. He says in verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. John says, here's what love looks like. It's that God showed us first. He shows what love looked like. He showed us how much he loved us. God is love. That's what John's saying here. And he's saying to live in fellowship with him is to live in fellowship with love itself. And then right after that, after showing us how much God loved us, he then explains how we are to respond. In verse 11, he says here, dear friends, Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. John is saying there is this powerful force, this this powerful motivator here. It's called love, and it comes from God above. And as love lives inside of you, as you experience the fullness of God's love in your life, as you make that decision to love others, sometimes the only way you can do that is with the help of God inside of you. But experiencing that love of God flowing through you into others, you get to experience God's love for you, and you get to demonstrate God's love to others. And do you know what this love will do? John's building to this. He says, do you know what this love will do in your life, the difference it'll make? I will tell you here, verse 18, such love 
has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. John's building to this idea and he reaches this, this climax here by saying, listen, perfect love, that love that you can get from God, it will expel all fear in your life. I met with a guy uh, a while back and we were chatting about some stuff and he shared with me some stuff that was going on in his life, some anxiety issues he was dealing with and it was actually having physical effects on him you know, as he was dealing with these things. And we talked about that a little bit and we talked about fear and we, I brought him to this verse. I said, you know, I really believe this verse is true. I believe what John says here in 1 John 4.18 that such love has no fear that because perfect love, it'll expel all fear. I think God wants you to know that today. In fact, I think you need to write that down on a post-it note or a note card, and, and you need to have it somewhere in your house or in your car, and I think you need to read that every single day. I think every morning when you wake up, every day at some point, you need to read this to remind yourself that perfect love expels all fear. About a week went by, and we met and had lunch together, and we were chatting, and I was telling him about this. I actually was telling him I was going to be speaking about it here at church. He says, do you know, he said, I did what you told me to do. I actually wrote it down, and, and I started every day just reading this, and it was like a prayer, and I was praying that, you know, God's love would fill me. He said, I started to notice a difference. He said, every day I could kind of feel more of God's love coming into my life. He said, as I felt more of God's love coming in, I actually could feel the fear fading away. I could really feel the fear, anxiety fading as God's love increased. It was so encouraging to hear that. And I want to tell you this morning that I wish, I wish, I wish that there was a way that we could just say, you know what, here's the deal. God's love, faith, it's like a switch. You just flick the switch and fear goes and faith appears. But it's not like that. And this guy told me, and, and, and I feel like it's more like a seesaw, that we've got fear on one side and, and faith on the other. And sometimes fear can get the better of us. It's just trusting God. And putting our faith in God and accepting God's love into our lives. And reading verses like 1 John 4.18 that say, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And gradually as that love increases and that faith increases, we actually start to see the fear and the anxiety decrease in our life as we experience more of God's love in our life. Let me close out with this thought this morning because I know not just at Christmas time but maybe leading up to Christmas this year maybe going into 2017 there are some legitimate fears and anxieties that some of you are wrestling with this morning that life is bringing your way I wish there were a way we could just take all those away but I want to tell you something that happened with Jesus when he was talking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, there's this um, situation. He's talking to the disciples, and he's talking about the future. He's telling them that there's a time that's coming. It's ahead of them where they're going to go out and tell people about him. He's actually prophesying of what's going to happen after his death. And he's telling the disciples, he goes, you're going to go out, and you're going you're to preach to others about me. You're going to go into new communities and new parts of the world, and you're going to tell people about Jesus, and, and they'll become followers of Jesus because of you. You'll go out and preach and teach and, and some of the miracles I've performed, you're going to perform miracles like that. You're going to see God use you through his Holy Spirit to do some amazing things and, and these wonderful things are going to happen. 
But then he warns them. He says, but there's going to come times where you'll be persecuted, hated, arrested, even flogged, even killed because of what you do in my name. He's telling them this in Matthew chapter 10. In fact, he actually says, when you're arrested, and then goes on. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, whoa, hold on. Time out here, Jesus. Let's go with if you're arrested, shall we? <laughs> let's, let's do the glass half full kind of idea. You know, maybe we won't get arrested. Maybe people will love what we're saying and it'll all be good, you know. And let's not use when, let's use if. But Jesus says, no, when you're arrested. When you're arrested. And then he goes on to tell them this story. And I picture Jesus sat there with the disciples. I picture them sitting out in the open somewhere, and maybe there's um, either flying across the sky or just, you know, in a field nearby, some sparrows. Because he talks to the disciples about sparrows. I don't think that was a random thing. I think he literally said, hey, look, you see those sparrows over there? And here's what he says. He starts to explain something. He says, you know, those sparrows, they're kind of worthless. No one even thinks about sparrows. But you know, my Father in heaven... He knows every one of them. He cares about them. He provides for them. And they're just sparrows. And then he says this in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 10. He says, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. When you are arrested, don't be afraid. God will be right there with you because you are more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. God loves you so much. I'd love to tell you that this may not happen, but actually this will happen. So when it happens, don't be afraid. It's important to understand exactly what Jesus is saying there to the disciples because the truth applies to us today. He didn't say, don't be afraid because I won't let any bad things happen to you. Now that's magic. And Jesus isn't a magician. He's our savior. So what he's actually saying is, don't be afraid when the bad things happen because God knows you and he loves you and he will be right there with you because you are worth more than a whole flock of sparrows. What I've come to learn in my life following Jesus about fear, and I've dealt with this. I can remember one year, it was New Year's Eve and it was actually New Year's Day. And some different things had happened through the year. And I remember being anxious about all of them. There were different things going on. And I would be anxious and fearful. Then this thing would come to pass and it would go and everything was fine. And then another thing would happen. And, and it was New Year's Day and I was just looking back over the year. And I was praying and I was asking God to, uh, I was thanking God for the year that had just come by. And then I was asking him, you know, for uh, the new year. And I just started thinking about these different things. Thanks God that that never happened like I thought it might. And thanks God that I remember being worried that that might happen and it didn't. And thanks God, because I can remember that one situation. I was terrified of what might happen. It all worked out fine. And, and just suddenly it was like a light went on in my head. It's like, you know what? All those times I worried and God was right there with me. And some of them did happen. And even though they did happen, I still am sat here today and God was right there with me because he cares more for me than a whole flock of sparrows. You know, sometimes the God who loves us dearly actually allows us to confront our fears, actually allows us to face our fears, actually allows us to go into what we were the most afraid of, to demonstrate to us that we can get through it. We're afraid of what might happen, but actually when it does happen, God's there with us and we get through it. Olivia Newton-John, you'll remember her from Greece. She's a survivor of cancer. She said, once you face your fear, nothing 
is ever as hard as you think. There are some things that happen in our lives, especially as followers of Jesus, that when we do face our fear and go through it, it changes who we are. We have a greater realization of God and his protection and his provision and his love for us. So I pray this Christmas time that you'll experience the peace that love wants to give you. And that you'll experience that love gives peace as you uh, allow God to fill you with his love. You'll understand what it means when it says the perfect love drives out. It expels all fear. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for all here this morning, especially those who Christmas time isn't quite as joyful and peaceful and full of hope as maybe the commercials would lead us to believe. That actually Christmas time can be a time of fear and anxiety. God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would experience your peace this morning. That they could just lean into your love and as they experience your love and your love for others through them, that they'll understand what it means to have love that drives out, that expels all fear. That they'll learn that even in the midst of some of their biggest fears, your peace is the greatest gift that you could give us. So help us, Lord, I pray, whether it's a Christmas anxiety or fear, or whether it's something that's been with us before and is going to continue into the new year, help us to experience that peace in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.